We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room production. How was your Friday of no Knicks basketball? What did you do? <laughs> Uh, um, my Friday of no Knicks basketball was um, was good. Of course, I figured out um, a way to watch more basketball. I was watching uh, Wizards-Cavs for much of that first half. And let me tell you, um, quality quality product right there. You are uh, a masochist, sir. I mean, it's still basketball. Um, you know, <laughs> barely. <laughs> um, no, but I was like, we were texting uh, or, or whatever, messaging. Um, or tweeting, whatever the hell, I, I lose track of all this shit. Yesterday, there was an incentive to root for um, the the Cavs last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, so um, so I did that, and then we watched um, the first forty five or so minutes of the Angelina Jolie movie. That if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the name of it. Uh, Those who wish me dead. There it is. Okay, mm-hmm. there, there you go. I, I think forty five minutes in. I kind of understand why the movie is called that. Um, and then my wife fell asleep, and then I fell asleep, and everybody was sleeping. And, uh, yeah, that's how Were there people that wished her dead, that wanted her dead? Not yet, but I think there will be. But there were other people who wished other people dead in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Is, I thought Those Who Wished Me Dead was the Alfred Payton autobiography. But... <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, man. Can that, that be the only good. time? I, I know it's probably not, but can that be? Let's make an attempt that that's the only time we mentioned him today. Um, yes, I would really like that. Um, that would be really, that would be really wonderful. Anyway, um, okay, so we're here. Yeah, um, we're here. 
we've got someone in the in the request to speak. I'll start the spiel because we're the we're past ten o'clock. So welcome to our Saturday morning locker room live stream. If you are here for the first time, thank you for joining us. Uh, rules of the game are simple. Uh, request to speak, and when we bring you up here, please mute your mic if you have background noise. We're going to get you about seven, eight minutes to chat with John and I, and then don't be offended when we bump you so we can get as many people up here as possible. We'll be up here until a little after 11, and once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I start this, though, John, by asking you a question, and if everybody can do this throughout the broadcast, I'd appreciate it. As you all know, Nick's play-by-play voice and friend of the Nick's Film School podcast, Mike Breen, is going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Um, and I wanted to ask you, John, what is your favorite Mike Breen call? Uh, so, uh, spoiler alert, um, you you did tell me this is going to be your question. Uh, to start see, now you're letting people behind the curtain. And now, see, you'd be terrible at, at magic, a terrible magician. You'd be well, like, see, this is how I pulled the rabbit out of my hat. So the reason why I'm telling folks this is because I've spent the last now hour um, racking my brain um, for what is my single favorite call. And I've like, I went, I had a little time. I went on YouTube and like try to refresh my recollection. And like, I, I'm always, I'm supposed to always be honest, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have one favorite call. Wow. Um, no. And here's the thing. Like, I wrote it yesterday um, in, like, if you ask me, like, okay, what's, for instance, what's my favorite moment that Mike Breen has ever called? I can say that. It's the it's the Jeremy Lin shot against the Raptors. I thought that was going to be it. Yeah, Jeremy Lin on Valentine's Day. Yeah, like, that, okay, so obvious. But, like, at the same time, if you're asking me, like, which which is the, the, the when I hear Breen's voice in my head, the thing that I hear the most is the double bang with the Curry, like, 38-footer. Mm-hmm. And then if you ask me, like, what's the most meaningful moment that Breen ever called for me, I'd have a different answer for that because that actually has um, – it's not even – I don't even remember the call itself well, until I rewatched this morning, but that was the Ray Allen shot in the finals because that was the year that I met my wife and we started uh-huh. watching – basketball together and we were sitting and we were like the two of us were on the edge and she had never watched basketball before that year and by the by that final she was on the edge of her seat watching every game with me and then i'll just i'll never forget like what happened so and then but the real reason for that answer is because when i wrote on twitter yesterday that he's been like the voice of the soundtrack of my life it's just i hear his voice whenever i think like i could hear his voice say the name of every player i've ever cared about mm-hmm. like so when when I when I'm talking about like my favorite calls, it's not, it's like it's I can't I honestly have a tough time explaining it because it's it's more like just thinking of those things that he says and all of them together are just like he's the greatest voice of my life, I guess. Like, I don't know. It's, it sounds crazy, but like, no, I get it. I get no, it. Yeah. So, like, that's literally the honest answer, and I, I'm sorry if that's a shitty answer, but that's the honest answer. No, it's it's a, it's an honest answer. The guy transcended the Knicks, which I think is why we're so territorial about him. Like, he'll give us a bang when it's Ray Allen in the finals, but he also gave us one for R.J. Barrett hitting a three in overtime against Memphis earlier in the year. So, And, and can I just say one more thing? Like, yeah, what's up? To, to that point, I, I actually think – 
the the perhaps the best testament to Breen is that, and this is part of the other reason why I, I, it's hard for me to think of like one call. The call never overshadows the moment, which is what if you go back and you think about the greats and like the people who have won the award that he's getting today, the Kirk Gowdy Award. Um, their trademark is that they were never bigger than the sport. They were never bigger than the play. Mm. Um, so it's like, but at the same time, you have to be memorable, which is why, like, you know, I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus. And for all I know, this person actually could have won this award. I don't think so. But like Joe Buck, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Joe Buck's fine. But like Joe, like I never feel like Joe Buck. And I'm just using this as an example. Joe Buck like lives up to the moment. But at the same time, there are other people who, again, need not be named, who are like they try to become bigger than the moment. And Breen toes the line perfectly. So um, that's, yeah, just well, that's that. The name you're searching for is John Sterling, where if it's game seven of the World Series and someone hits a home run or it's game two of the season and someone hits a home run, everything is high, it is far, it is gone. And- but he- Green is able to narrate and recognize the moment with his with his energy and excitement. But even like people like I've been watching a lot of don't ask me why. Well, actually, I I know why, because they're the games that usually start at 7 p.m. I've been watching a lot of Hornets games of late. Um, Oh, them. Well, I'm waiting for the (laughs) game to start. And and Curry's fine. But the other guy, I don't even know his name, but it's like the first quarter. And it's like somebody makes a dump off pass for a a, a layup and to make the score six two. And it's literally the energy level that you would expect of like a, a, um, a second round playoff game. Um, so it's yeah, I, I, I personally would not yeah be able to listen to that. And I th- I'm very thankful that we do not have to listen to someone like that. Well, on brand before I bring before I bring Justin up here, um, my Mike Breen moment is Easter Sunday 2011. When I knew you would say that. Yes, it's listen, Carmelo Anthony in overtime, hearing Anthony for three, bang, then the game is tied, and then five minutes later, Anthony for three puts it in. Knicks lead by one. That that was. I think going to talk about matching the moments. That was an incredible moment for me. Um, okay. That was the yes, Bulls, the Bulls game. game. Ashwin, yes, uh, Ashwin. Ashwin asked if that was the Bulls game. Yes, it was. Yes, a a regular, a, a boring regular season game that John doesn't even remember. It, I it, listen. I remember it. It's just I keep it in. I keep it in its proper place. Uh huh. Uh huh. Anyway, Justin Richards, you are first up on the locker room live stream. Welcome to the stage. What is your favorite? Oh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Andrew just stole it. Um, so I was thinking, oh my bad, but all, good man. All the ones, all the ones I was going to say, literally were stolen. I was going <laughs> to say Curry. I was going to say Jeremy Lin, and I was going to say Carmelo Anthony. Um, so it's it's funny. I do have a point about Mike Breen's call. I believe that outside of maybe a handful of them, I think he only blesses players with with the bang if they're going to go to the Hall of Fame. So Curry, RJ. And Jules <laughs> are going to the Hall of Fame uh, off the bench. And Jeremy Lin. Oh, yeah, him too. He'll be in there, you know. Listen, just like, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but like the way the basketball Hall of Fame operates, where they basically judge it like you're, like they make up rules to let people in and they go with like overall impact on like the global game. Like, I guarantee you somebody at some point will be like, should Jeremy Lin be in the Hall of Fame? Like, I guarantee you that's going to happen at some point. 
Yeah, it's it's the like, um, and I'm not trying to make this a Hall of Fame discussion, but like, it's something that's like, it's so uniformic. We're like, hey, did you play for ten years? You're a Hall of Famer. It's like an Oprah thing. You're a Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer. It's like if you hit like a certain baseline, I always feel like there should be a rule where like there should be a guy who's like the gatekeeper, like. Blake Griffin should be known as the worst Hall of Famer. So if you're not better than Blake Griffin, you can't get in. To me, that 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 clears up everything in sports. If you just have one guy who's essentially the Mendoza line of like, are you better than X? And if it's no, you can't get in. I feel like that would just make things so much easier. Yeah, I no, we don't have to turn it into a Hall of Fame discussion. But it, the the problem is there. It is impo- it, it is as baseball is better evidence of this, it is impossible to come up with one hall of fame. I don't even want to use the word formula, but like you can't even come up with a list of criteria because like, um, I don't know why this is the first example that came to my head, but it is like Gail Sayers and football played for how many years did Gail Sayers play where he was healthy, you know, six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Like a handful of years, like that guy's a hall of famer because of what he did, you know, in, in that time. And I'm sure there's a good example, you know, in basketball that, of course, I'm, I'm blanking on. Um, you know, like, imagine Derrick Rose had two more healthy years and, like, won another MVP. And then, you know, like, it's some, like there's so many unique careers, whereas you're going to get a guy, you know, like, um, uh, you know, Joe Johnson or Mitch Richmond, who is going to blow away, you know, points of like other guys. It's just it's convoluted, and it's like, but it, I think we could all agree it's 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 very imperfect. Um, the the basketball Hall of Fame. Anyway, sorry, that was yeah. my soapbox moment. No, no, it's cool. And shit, I don't, I don't think Derrick Rose isn't going to make the Hall of Fame, but neither here nor there. Um, so my question is like kind of twofold, and it's just about like the team building of of uh, the Knicks going forward. So my first question is just how far right now, if I said of all the guys who we think could be available in the off season and let's even throw, let's say Dame as a trade option, right? How, how, like, do you, do you think, the Knicks, how far away do you think the Knicks are getting from the Easter cop, like getting to the finals? Like they, do oh. X, they get to the finals. They do Y, they get to the sure, finals. Yeah. That's a is great one move or two move. I just want to hear that first before I have a, my second part. Well, I think um, I think the the fir- the way to to start the answer is just to say: Is there any player who is reasonably available this summer that gets the Knicks to the finals next year? And like, I don't know. I think everybody has their own opinions on this player in this situation. But yeah, if you put Kawhi Leonard on the Knicks, I think they can make the finals next year. Um, if you put Damian Lillard on the Knicks, um, sh- I sh- fucking sure, I guess, with another maybe little move or two. Um, save those two guys. Let me just make sure. Like, I'm really, like, expanding the reaches of my brain. Like, if fucking Darren Fox demanded a trade tomorrow, like, and you put him on the Knicks, and all you gave up was future draft picks, like, would that would that make them a final team? I don't think so. Um uh, anybody I'm missing? I don't think there's anybody Paul. missing. What's that? Chris Paul. Oh, God. Uh, with it, I mean, shit, the Heat, I mean, the Heat, it was the bubble, but the Heat went to the finals last year with less talent than that, and Chris Paul kind of has that Jimmy Butler effect. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that would probably be the, the, the line of demarcation for me. 
Um, and then I would put Beal right under it. I would put Lowry right under it. I would put the Rosen right under it. Um, I'd put probably Ball under those guys. Mm-hmm. And Dinwiddie, I would... Mm, you know, I just... I don't know what Dinwiddie's going to be next year. Um, I, but he probably goes in like on the lower end of that like Lowry-DeRozan group for me. Um, yeah, I think that covers all of the big ones, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least, like, everyone that we think could be available. What the re- So the reason why I asked this question was I was watching the jump. I think it was either Thursday or Friday. I forgot which one. But Zach Lowe was making the point how he was saying how, like, look, like, the Knicks are at a really good spot. Don't do essentially what – I mean, he, he was making it nice. He didn't want to say the Knicks thing of, like – overpaying or overreaching for a star um, or a guy past his prime. But the reason why I ask you that question is if we are just one guy away, right, would it be an overreach to essentially give Portland, like, top in quickly in three first-round picks? Yeah, so basically yeah. – give- So that's what I'm saying. It's like, does it yeah. – how can you – because the thing is, it's really hard. You're trying to crack – the upper echelon. There's only like six teams that can probably win the finals every given year. It's probably less most years. But how do you close that gap of going from, we're really good, we can win, you know, maybe 50 games, be the Toronto Raptors, you know, the last 10 years, and like, okay, no, like we can fuck around and win a title. And for me, it looks around like, why would doing that be an overpay if you now are in the class of like, we can fuck around and win the championship? So a couple couple things for just uh, and Chad is making me think of this with his comment in the chat. Like, yeah, I do think there's combinations and permutations of players that could probably get them there too. But I would really need to sit down and think a little bit more deeply about that. Um, the second the second thing that I want to raise with your question is, I think one of the most fascinating um, I don't say team building discussions necessarily, but like just like philosophical questions moving forward in the league is where teams essentially give up all of the future first round picks um, and, and swaps or whatever. Um, And when, when does that, like, I, I think there's a sliding scale where you could make the argument that in some cases it becomes a drastic, drastic overpay. And I think there are other cases where you could make that where it's a drastic, drastic underpay. For instance, I'm looking at the situation in Milwaukee with what they gave up for Drew Holiday um, and by the way, offloading, uh, fucking, uh, Bledsoe in that deal. Great job. Off the deal. Yeah. David Griffin. Fantastic. Like, so like if Giannis, if like, if the Bucks had some faith that making that trade was going to get Giannis not only to resign, but basically honor the contract and not ask out in the next several years. And like, there are other things to consider there. Like, is there an agreement that like Bud will be fired if they don't make it a certain, whatever, neither here nor there. The point is like, if you just got Drew Holiday for three p- picks in the in the back half of the first round, like who gives a fuck? Like you got Drew Holiday. Um, I'm not like, and that's maybe an exaggeration, but to, like the, no, the, that, the, that makes perfect sense. These these picks are over. Like I mean, you can just look at Hart, like what Houston got for literally Harden, Westbrook, yeah, but, Chris Paul, and Capella. But at the same time, but at the same time. I think it. You can also look at a situation like I don't even know what's worse. I'm. Gonna, I guess I'll say the Clippers, because like 
if, again, it's a UGIF, but let's say Kawhi leaves this summer, or even let's say he signs a one plus one and then leaves next summer. You're left with, you know, Paul George being your best player and a bunch of stuff that's not very good. You have no young talent. You have no picks to speak of. You At that point, those picks become very different. And then, you know, we could obviously we, we could reference back, like, the, the original Nets trade. Who knows how this Nets trade. So, like, I just think... It's a it's a it's a it's an interesting question and to to answer your question that you actually asked as opposed to pontificating, like, yes, I do think they should go all in for Dame. Um because I think Damian Lillard is that good, because Damian Lillard's under Lillard is under contract for four more seasons. Yes, I know he's making a hundred and uh seven oh god. Is it one seventy, one sixty? Whatever. He makes like forty eight million in the last year of the deal when he's going to be 33 or 34 I, I get it it's a ton but at the same time that like if it's picks and swaps and but you still retain a young player or two um and like maybe a pick um you know that means you still and obviously you, you still have the ability to do some stuff with the cap with the full mid-level moving forward and all that stuff it's like it's that's not your last move and if you to me if you put Damian Lillard on this team with these players, like, yeah, why, why, like, what, like, with the ages of the guys in Brooklyn, with, like, what we know about Milwaukee and, like, do, you know, do they have another gear? Do they not have another gear? Um, and then, I guess, you know, so Philly's your big bad. And, like, do we, like, is that really the team that we think is going to be able to, like, vanquish all comers? Um, I don't know. So, long story short, I'd do it. And I think it's a great question, and I'm going to think about it a lot more after this. <laughs> <laughs> now, man. Yeah, no, that was it. I want to make sure everyone else gets up their time. That was really what I was thinking about for a day and a half. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, Justin. Yep. Remind me to put this on the to-do list for the show. We need to go find a Portland content creator and see what a Dame Lillard package he thinks is, is right. I, I, I still don't know how we're doing this trade without R.J. Barrett. I get that the Knicks They're would be like, no, it. but I know you keep saying that, but then I don't think you want Dame Lillard then. No, it's it's not about that. It's a, Look, they're not – Portland's not trading Dame Lillard unless Dame Lillard goes to Portland and says, you're trading me now. And and when and when Dame Lillard goes to Portland and says, you're trading me now, guess what? They're going to trade him. And they're going to trade him where he wants to go because he's earned it, and that's that. That's the conversation. And if, if he's generous, he'll give them a couple of teams – um, but I, I do not think, I don't think the Knicks would, I mean, this is going to sound insane, but like, there's, I don't, I can't imagine a realistic scenario where the Knicks ever put, you know, RJ Barrett on the table. And I say that with like, yes, if Dame Lillard, if Portland was willing to accept RJ Barrett one as the only piece in the Dame Lillard trade, and it's literally just RJ for Dame. <laughs> yes, they do that, but that's not how these trades work. It's like. You're giving us a bunch of picks and a young player, and that's it's like, and multiple not- young players. Anthony Davis went for two different players that were taking the top three. The Nets traded two of their uh, uh, Jared Allen and uh, Karis LeVert. Like all of these, like SGA also went in that deal for Kawhi for for Paul George. All and, of these big trades end up with multiple players and multiple picks. And that was a bad. And that was a bad trade. For, uh, look, I, uh, uh. we don't have to get into it because we want to get people up on stage. No, I mean, but just very, very briefly, 
I, I was going to say that was a bad trade for the Lakers. Obviously, it was not a bad trade for the Lakers because the Lakers won the fucking championship. But it was a g- egregious overpay for the Lakers. Could they have done that trade without including Brandon Ingram? Eh, maybe if they really played hardball. Because guess what? The Knicks were not going to, to give up the full car wash for, for Anthony Davis. My, my point is... That was a unique situation because you had LeBron James on your team and you knew by trading for Anthony Davis, you were trading for a championship. I think that makes it unique. And you also knew that Anthony Davis was resigning there long term. Um, I, I think it's I think it's different if you're in the situation that the Knicks are in. And um, also, by the way, RJ is just two years into his career. You have him for two year, two more years at very cheap. Um, I know he could sign an extension next summer. But like, I, I just every situation is unique. That's all I want to say. Okay, that's fair. Let's uh, let's get James up here. Uh, James Stanzoni, welcome to the stage. Uh, your favorite Mike Breen call, and what'd you? <laughs> James, you there? Hey. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, sorry. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, we we hear you, James. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I I couldn't hear you guys. Uh, so favorite favorite Breen call, and then uh, yeah, what'd you make last night? Oh yeah, so my favorite Breen call is probably the Ray Allen one, because um, I didn't really start paying attention to the Knicks that like, I mean I watched the Jeremy Lin year, yeah, but it just wasn't as significant to me as it probably would now be. So I would definitely go with the Ray Allen shot as as my favorite, and um, I also just wanted to mention I was listening to a, a basketball podcast. And there was a Bulls fan on there, and he was mentioning – he was talking about the Knicks, and he's basically comparing Alfred Payton to Keith Bogans because he started all <laughs> he started all 82 games, and he started all the games in the playoffs, and then he was out of the league the next year. Um, yeah, Bogans uh, – yeah, he – but uh, so I think – I think Bogans still holds the record in the NBA for lowest minutes per game – um, average for someone who started at least eighty games. Um, so, but yeah, but the but the thing is, here's the here's the thing. Um, I went and looked it up. Bogan started all of the playoff games that year and actually played some minutes in that um, in that uh, playoff uh, playoff run. It was the it was the Bulls' first playoff run, I believe, with, under Thibodeau. So yeah, yeah, and, and it was just pretty funny because. Uh, it was a Bulls fan speaking, and he was saying how, yeah, he played the he played a little bit in the first uh, quarter, and then he played a little bit in the third quarter, and uh, that's how he used him. So he's basically using him very similar. Yeah, and but as people are saying in the ch- uh, chat, said in the chat, Bogans had at least some defensive ability, and and he, if we're being honest, it's not what Alfred Payton doesn't bring to the table; it's what he actively takes off the table um, by. Um, a obviously not uh, being a, a realistic spacing outlet for kickouts, and then B you know the the misses at the rim, the turnovers, the and 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 by the way, if we haven't stated so explicitly, um, all of these blocks that teams are getting on him, they all turn into transition opportunities for the opponent. It's not like these are just blocks, and it's like okay, we'll they'll walk the ball off the floor. No, 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 no. These all spur fast breaks when these happen. So duly noted. No, yeah, let me just make this clear. I'm not advocating for Alfred Payton at all. I actually hate him more than anything. But, oh, uh, I know, I no, know. Yeah, I, know. I, was just, I was just making the comparison. I, I didn't realize that Bogan started every single game. 
Yeah, and I'm just looking at it now in the 2011 playoffs. Even up into that series against Miami, there were there was a game where he, Bogans played 23 minutes. Um, but say this about Bogans, he could he could at least knock down a three. He shot he shot 42 percent from deep in the playoffs that year. Um, so yeah, uh, Keith Bogans much 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 better uh, than Alfred Payton. What's your uh, did you have a question too? Um, yeah, just a more general question about, like, the future of the NBA. Like, what do you guys think will probably normalize, except, like, the three? I know, like, the three – and, like, like the whole debate with, like, um, you know, like, people come out and say, like, oh, these these nerds and, like, you know, analytics is bad for basketball. Will that just, like, totally extinguish in the next few years? And, like, what else do you think that would probably change in the next 10 years in, in basketball as, as a whole? Um – I think it's a it's a really good question, uh, man. We really do get the best questions on here. Um, so my the the first thing that comes to my mind to say is that I don't think the three point shot is like going anywhere. Um, I think there's a real possibility that we see um, a four point shot added at some point. I don't think that's insane. I don't think it's going to happen like next year or in the next five years, but I think it'll happen probably within the next ten years. Um, I think, uh, and I'm not, this is not me opining this. I'm, I'm stealing this from the Woj article that was released yesterday. Um, that the competition committee, um, is going to look at the ways that like the Harden drawn fouls and like the Trey Young drawn fouls and like the Emmanuel quickly drawn fouls. Um, and like try to litigate that out of the game. Other than that though, like, um, I don't think that there's anything obvious. I, I, I think, I think there is going to be more of a premium placed on guys who are really tall but can actually like move on the perimeter, like the like um, what's his face, Zaire Williams coming out of Stanford this year. Like he's a guy you can move with the ball, he could shoot. He's really tall. Because I do think there is going to be more and more of a move away from centers, traditional centers. And I just I just don't see like if you're if you're the next Joel Embiid, you're not watching the game today and thinking like I'm gonna be Joel Embiid, you're watching the game today and you're you know, you're thinking I'm gonna be Kevin Durant, I'm gonna be you know, whoever else I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a taller, uh, I'm going to be Luka Doncic or whatever. So like, yeah, I guess, I'm, I guess I will be the umpteenth person to predict the death of the center position. Um, Andrew, what do you think? You have any thoughts on this? I think the three pointers here to stay it, like the three pointers become like the, not to bring everything back to baseball, but it's like the, the launch angle emphasis on home runs in baseball. There's just too much of an incentive now to taking a shot that's worth significantly more than, than two pointers. So I guess that ties into your thought about the center position going away. Um, I've thought about whether there's going to be more Ben Simmons type players that are just like all or nothing, but do everything else so well, or whether he's a unicorn, but, uh, as far as the, the league is concerned, I just think we're going to come to a point where the, we're shooting 53s a game, and some will like it and some won't. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, ju- I'm trying to find points per possession stats for uh, post-ups this year. Like, it's just 
like I don't I don't know I just don't I, I I just don't see where the where the where the where the money is there or like like it, it how it how it makes sense for it to continue with that but you know whatever um that was a good question though I like it yeah uh, just right. one more thing I'm sorry uh yeah go for would, it. if if we win one game against the Bucks in a playoff series and that's how it goes it ends in five games we we had a successful season regardless correct. Um, yes. Uh, assuming it's not like, uh, Miami, uh, 2000, uh, what was that? 2012. Uh, assuming it's not a Miami 2012 scenario where they lost, you know, pretty convincingly the first three games. I, I think maybe there was one close game. I forget. Um, and then they, you know, they won game four. Like, I think, I think it's meaningful that like it goes into game four of we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The series with, like, there's meaning. Um, and I think getting swept, I don't know, would getting swept be like the end of the world? I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think how so. they got swept. Like, if they got swept because and they played their asses off and the games were close and they just clearly didn't have the same amount of talent, and, like, Giroux locked up um, Derek Rose and Giannis locked up uh, Julius Randle and they lost all four games by, like, an average of seven points. Like, I don't think that that's bad. Um, you know, it is what it is. So, I yeah, agree. good stuff. Um, Andrew, what's up next? Uh, James, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. Next up, we know we're going to get some good questions here. Mr. Jonas Plout, welcome to the stage. Uh, Jonas, um, what's your... Oof. I think some of the ones that have been mentioned probably. Also, the one that I probably associate with Green's voice is the block by James. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's just like, I think the... I don't want to say generic. I think that's the one, the Breen call, that's probably going to just last throughout time the most. You you hit on it when people were dropping their favorite bang calls last night, and I'm watching all these. Like, I kind of think "Blocked by James" is the more icon- most iconic call of his career. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's arguably one of the greatest announcers of all time with one of the greatest players of all time, and a huge moment. I just, I think that's the one that's going to really last. One hundred percent, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So, um, I have a quick question. Um, Obviously, we're two games out from the playoffs. So I was wondering, now that we're so close, 
what is your ranking for, I guess, the Heat, Hawks, and Bucks of who you want to play the most to least? Heat, Hawks, well, I don't think we could play the Heat. Um, well, no, I shouldn't so? say that. We can play the Heat, just like we can still play Brooklyn. Um, but the the for us to be, for us to play the Heat in the first round, um, the Hawks would need to lose to uh, what shitty team are they playing uh, tomorrow? Thanks, so, Houston. Yeah, it's yeah. There you go. Um, and w- I we would need to go two and zero, and the Heat would also need to go two and zero. I th- believe. Yeah, I think that's how it would go. So. Um, for my two cents, um, I want to play the Heat the least, and I know Andrew's going to push back on that. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a question between the Bucks and the Hawks. I I mean, again, I'm going to um, do what I always do, which is straddle both sides of the fence and um, give a, a chicken shit answer, which is that <laughs> which is that the the correct answer as far as the team that you want to play is the Hawks. Like that's the only right answer um, because I think. Like we've we've seen proof of concept, and like yes, you could give me and I went through this stuff the other day on the pod. Bogdanovich was not in one of the games. Bogdanovich was not a prominent part of the rotation in another one of the games. Cam Reddish played thirty minutes in the first game. Um, you know, Trey Young went out in the third game. Like yeah, you could give me all this stuff, and like you could give me all the stuff about the, the the Hawks being super talented, and like you know they they could put five guys on the floor who could really really give the Knicks problems. All that said, like, the Hawks are not a great team, and they have not yet shown the propensity to be a great team. They have shown the propensity to be a very, very good team. They are, they are not a great team. The, the Bucks may not be a great team all the time, but the Bucks are certainly capable of being a great team. And if, if the Bucks, like, I, I don't think that there's anything that the Hawks could do that could that 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 would be like it doesn't matter what the Knicks do the Hawks are winning that series whereas I think the Bucks have a level to reach where it's like it doesn't matter what the Knicks do it doesn't matter how well the Knicks play if the Bucks do XYZ that series is over in five games um all that said <laughs> I think we could lose to the Hawks and I think we could beat the Bucks so yeah. that's, that's my answer uh Andrew you want to uh you want to try in? Well, so not to repeat the beginning of the pod on Friday, but I think the Miami Heat are there for the taking. In fact, we give them a lot of respect for how great the big three era was and for them making the finals in a L.A. fitness and Disney World version last year. Um, oh, my God. I'm, no, I'm so sorry. Like, they've won, they've won nothing in my lifetime of importance without Dwayne Wade or a bubble. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, like, bring the smoke. Plus, like, you hit on it. The Atlanta Hawks... I, I that that game where they when they beat them during the winning streak, they were up ten and the Knicks couldn't get the lead past eight. Okay, when Trey Young got hurt, the Knicks were the, the Hawks were pulling away in that fourth quarter. And if Trey Young doesn't get hurt and Emmanuel quickly doesn't get hot, I don't know if the Knicks come back in that game. And I see that series going similarly if they play them. So if you're gonna advance in the first round, this version where the Knicks win a playoff series. Why not dethrone the defending East champs? At least you can say if you lose that series, well, okay, maybe the Heat are legit. We didn't play up to their level. Whereas if they lose to the Hawks, they're going to be like, Trey Young beat us? Are you kidding me? So that's that's my thought. And the Bucks, I'm, I actually think that series, like you, John, would be closer. So in to answer Jonas's question, I would go, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, I would go Heat, 
Bucks, Hawks. I, I'm that terrified of trying to outscore a team best of seven. This, at least in this Knicks team, trying to outscore anybody. Uh, That's interesting because I would go Hawks, Heat, Bucks. Because I, first of all, watching Trey Young for a seven game series flop would infuriate me. And like, what if it works? Degree. Yeah, I mean. I love it if it works, but it's still an incredibly infuriating yeah, process. Yeah, but I think they may. I think they. I think the refs are going. I mean, look, who the fuck knows? Because the refs a have been terrible this year. That was the other thing on the Woj article. Um, but also, like, are they really going to give up as many of those calls in the you know in the in the playoffs? And also, Eshwin mm-hmm. makes a good point about Noel uh, guarding the, uh, elite pick and roll, um, specifically elite a pick and roll with with a guy like Capella on the back end. Um, he, 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 he has a lot of problems with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say this though. The reason why I'm terrified of the Bucks the most, um, is not something that you guys mentioned. Um, it's been something I've been kind of chatting with my friends and I was wondering if you think this is like a valid, uh, like line of thought or thinking. Um, for me, I'm scared of the Julius Giannis matchup and it's not because I don't think Julius can hold his own. I think Julius is a very good defender. I think he's much improved, but I think going up against the most physically imposing and dominant player this league has seen in a long time for a seven-game series when you're really the only player who's able to guard him, that is Julius, I think that's going to take a toll on him. And I'm of the type of person that thinks that when you have a guy who is your offense, right, he is the guy who gets the wheels going and keeps the wheels going, I don't want that player having to exert a ridiculous amount of energy on every single possession in a seven-game series just to try and have a chance to stop this or Giannis, because I feel like even though it might not affect Julius in one game or in like, say, game one, it'll have a toll on him over a series because I think Giannis, just his physicality will beat him down on both sides eventually. That's 1,000% my biggest fear in that series. Hey, John, John, can I I follow up on Jonas's question and ask you something? So... When they when they played Zion and it was the, the type of defense they played, I actually made a mental note like, huh, so if this is how they were to play Giannis in a series, could that work? Is I mean, two different levels of, of freak, but is there any credence to that thought? Wait, who, the, the way they play defense on who? I missed who you said. Zion Williamson. The two oh. games that they played Zion where it's just closed up, like that wall that they put up, could they do that with Giannis? I get it, like Giannis is a... A different level of specimen. Well, they but. they they did it um, against Giannis this year. The two games that he played, and one of those games, the Bucks had um, their worst three point shooting night of the season, um, and the Knicks won by twenty. And the other game, the Bucks hit eighteen of thirty eight from three, and the Knicks had their were blown out by the biggest total they have been blown out by this year it all comes like Giannis is not like here's the thing with Zion Zion's not at all yet the passer that Giannis is like Giannis dropped 10 assists in that second in the in the first game out of the all-star break like it was nothing um and he probably would have had 15 assists had he been forced to play the entire game but they were up by so much he didn't have to like he can he could he can make those plays and I think he's smart enough to know when he has to make those plays um that said, I think the Knicks were a little slow coming out of the break, getting back out on shooters uh, from, like, walling off the paint in that game. I think they'll be quicker if they play them, obviously, in a playoff series. 
Um, but like the, the philosophy is going to be the same. Um, like that, like, and then maybe they switch it up here and there, but for the, yeah, but for the most part, can, can it work? Yeah, it can work to a certain extent, but then, but then again, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like you can't ever really stop Giannis if he wants to make a point to like, you know, get to the rim. So I don't know. Uh, it's, it's going to be hard. Can I say one thing before we move on to the next question? Of course. Just because I, uh, cause I'm crazy and I just need need this to be out there. But back to the post up spot up thing. So I pulled up um, the uh, stats for the most frequent post up players this year in terms of uh, like free, field goal attempts a game, and the high for any of them is Marcus Aldridge. In actually that, but I'm not even counting that because it's only five games with Brooklyn. So uh, of significant volume, it's Joel Embiid at 1.08 points per hundred possessions. After that, it's um, Jokic at 1.04, and everyone else is under one. Whereas if you look at the NBA's catch-and-shoot stats, um, you have, in just like the top 15 or so, you have OG Ananobi, 1.15, Lonzo Ball, 1.11, Derek White, 1.10, Malik Beasley, 1.13, Jay Crowder, 1.21, Julius Randle, 1.14, it's like it's it's like RJ Barrett with 1.08. RJ Barrett's proficiency from spotting up is the same as Joel Embiid's proficiency from posting up. That's all you need to know about the direction this game is headed as far as centers versus spot up shooters. There you go. That was Jonas, my rant. Sorry. Okay. Said, you're yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah. Jonas, anything before we let you go? No. I guess let's go next. I, if we win tonight, I'll be putting on my honest jersey and praying. Indeed, indeed. Go Bucks. There yeah, we go. go. Um, okay, I welcome up a staple from Mets Twitter. Rich, Rich. welcome to the stage. Uh, what's your favorite? Mo- what's up, fellas? How you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say Andrew took my personal favorite Knicks moment with Easter, uh, you know, against the Bulls. There you go. The only... I'm definitely, but I will give an honorable mention to one, and I guarantee you no one will have even thought of this. And the only reason that I did is because I, my first like career job, I was actually working at MSG Networks from 2013-14 season. Uh, and it would be, in Melo's 62-point game, he hit a half-court buzzer beater in the first half. Oh, wow, yeah. If you go back and listen to that call, that is probably one of the most elated Mike Breen calls you'll ever hear in a first half. <laughs> uh, I remember I watched that game on my uh, then God, I don't even know if she was my fiance yet. Um, she had like a, she had like a 12 inch, like little box TV in her room. That's where I watched that game. Wow. Yeah. We were watching in a windowless editing room in the, <laughs> in the, in the bowels of the MSG studio across the street. And that's yelled, amazing. Jump, yeah. Yelling and jumping around. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, of, of course, you know, they were like eight games under 500 that year. and really We don't need them. to bring that up. We don't need to bring <laughs> that up. No, Melo gave us a great moment, and that's it was, all. It, no, it was. It, it was uh, I actually, for some reason in my mind, I had always remembered them being way out of it. And then I looked at the standings the other day when I was thinking about that year, and they somehow only missed the playoffs by a game, and I have <laughs> literally no recollection of that whatsoever. Um, I remember, I remember the end of that season actually pretty well because like they really, like 
it's they were the I don't know if they were the best team in the league by net rating, but they were top three or four by net rating over the final twenty some odd games. Yeah. Um, it was pretty crazy how many <laughs> well they played down the stretch. But yeah, such a weird team. Real quick, real team. quick, I, I, John, I think we just we need to interrupt with the breaking news that just hit. Um, I mean, but I had assumed I had assumed this anyway, so I don't even find it breaking news. Mar- Marv Albert's going to retire at the end of the playoffs. Oh shit! Um, yeah. So since we're like since we have a, a former MSG employee up here, and <laughs> we're doing a, a locker room centered around uh, the guy who replaced Marv as the voice of the Knicks, I just you know shout out to Marv. Um, I mean, Absolutely. I'm with you that we all I think assumed that the days were. That this sounds yeah. dark, but days were numbered with how broadcasts have gone the last couple of years. But yeah, no, you could hear I'm, it a bit in the in the All Star game. Yep. Yeah. But uh, but I yeah. mean he's I mean he's an all time great. I mean it goes without saying. Absolutely. I think, I think he, I think he has to be the NBA's representative um, on the sports broadcasting. Mount Rushmore. I, I, I think he kind of yeah. has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd say he's the voice of the NBA of all time. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do think, I think Breen has a chance to overtake him, though. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Rich, is he our Vin Scully? Ooh. I, I think he might be. Yeah. Uh, has to I, be. You, yeah. You could say he's the Vin Scully and, and Breen is like our, our national version of like a Gary Cohen. But if uh, Gary. But if Gary Cohen did, uh, yeah, but like Gary Cohen, if he was Joe Buck, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if Cohen was also doing these national games, which he could easily do Mm -hmm. if they wanted to, uh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Marv. Yeah, shout out Marv. Yeah, I did want to bring up, um, not as a concern or anything, you know, I a hundred percent like Randall. You know, Randall could score zero points today. He deserves the max, anyways. Like. Let's be clear. He's had that good of a season. Uh, but I kind of was, you know, noticing after the Houston game, it kind of just felt like, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's doing all the other stuff. He's not shooting super great. Um, and just considering, you know, this is the most minutes he's ever played, probably by a lot. Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a weird season still with the COVID and the shortened season. And, you know, he's getting used a lot. He's playing a role he's never played before in just how much he's facilitating and has the ball in his hands. And, you know, obviously the Tibbs narrative, which I think is kind of bullshit, but it's still there. Uh, You know, I think, and these might be off by a hair, but the last six games, I think he's shooting 38% from the floor, 28% from three. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, considering all that, is it just not worth worrying about, Just, but just worth noting that, like, you know he'll have a he'll have a week off about between last game and the playoffs, but you know does he might you know maybe he needs a bit of an extra an extra spell because it seems like he might be wearing a little bit. I like I th- I mean I think they're gonna play him like I don't I, I'm not expecting to see Tibbs play him for any less than he feels like he needs to to win these last two games um, because because of the five days. Um, I think just like moving forward after this season, personally, I'm not worried about the, I, cause here's the thing. He's at, what, I mean, he might be under 42% now. I guess he's at 41. Yeah, like if, I mean, if he, if he, if he regresses as a three point shooter, like what are we really talking about him regressing to? We're talking about him regressing to 
38, 37 percent. And like if if Julius Randle, like if you told me right now that like Julius Randle was going to be a 37 percent three point shooter over the course of his like next contract, assuming maybe even a slightly higher degree of difficulty on some of the shots Mm -hmm. um, like that we've been seeing over the second half of this year. Like, I I don't know if I'd sign for that, but like I I mean, that's. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess considering his his position and everything else he does, and considering what he shot from three before this season, I don't think I'd be mad at thirty eight percent. Oh yeah, uh, I would. Three. I would sign for. I think I would sign for thirty eight percent moving forward. Yeah. yeah, but I'm more like I'm not. I'm not even. You know, I'm not concerned about Julius twenty twenty two going forward, uh, and I'm not even concerned about him now. I'm more just thinking. You know, like. He's, you know, and he's going to get beat up in the playoffs. We saw against these good teams, like they're going to double him, they're going to bang him around in the post if they have somebody who can do that. Yeah, uh, is that you know, is playoffs? You know, that might be where you know he That's, might get even more worn down. It's uh, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And you're inadvertently, well, maybe you're not inadvertently doing it, but um, you're you're making the case for why, um. I think Julius is going to wind up on, and he should, um, on some MVP ba- ballots. Um, mm. And I think, like, I, look, I know it's a, I know it's a tough field, and we don't have to go through it right now. But, but he, he has to do, I think, Everything. as much <laughs> for this team, um, for them to be competitive as anybody in the league. Um, like it's like this is going to sound insane, but like let's just say. Nikola Jokic was, like, w- w- wanted to take a day where all he did was spot up around the three-point line and like had a few post-ups. Like, that team has Aaron Gordon. That team has Michael Porter Jr. When healthy, they had Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck are the Knicks going to do if, if Julius Randle isn't going to take possession after possession after possession and put it on his back while well, they're going to turn to Derrick Rose? Um, right. And, like, Rose has, has given them an extra dynamic and I think Derrick Rose is the reason why we could actually allow ourselves to fantasize about possibly beating the Bucks. Um because he I he's yeah. become kind of their their number two engine. Um you know all that being said, yeah they need Randall. I and I am worried about <laughs> it. I don't I don't have like a cute answer for you. Yeah I'm worried. <laughs> yeah it's I mean without I mean obviously it goes without saying you take the star player off of most teams they're gonna fucking suck. Uh but without Randall and without you know the Randall we've seen this year. I mean, do they win twenty three games like they were projected? I mean, probably not. Um, if you take Randall off this team, I think they would be. In, well, hold on though. Um, would they still trade? This is going to sound weird again. Would they? Would they still trade for Derrick Rhodes? Um, I, I probably not. I mean, Austin Rivers might still be here taking fifteen shots a game. Yeah, because like you if know, they're kind of like if, a whole. Yeah, because uh, if if yeah. they had traded away, if they let's just say for argument's sake, right? They had traded away Randall in the preseason, um, yep. and they start out how they start out without Randall, um, and everything else stays the same. Which, by the way, means no no top and no quickly for a little while there. Um, mm-hmm. Then no Rose probably does not want to come to this team, and yeah, I think they're the I don't know are they a twenty win team maybe. Um, and, Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, we don't have to think about that because Julius Randle's, <laughs> Randall's fucking awesome. 
Um, wait, hold on. Uh, Tommy Jones is saying something. I can't wait till Macri replies. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't I don't do even know it. what you're. I don't even know what you're talking about. So he put a he put a tweet into the chat of a. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna do it. We don't have to acknowledge this energy, but somebody replied to your tweet about the Knicks not having anything in the lottery with. The Knicks screwed it again. They uh, wasted a once-in-a-generation draft by making a token playoff appearance. They did this in 2003 also. Made, when when the you playoffs. go a decade without making the playoffs, there's no such thing as a token playoff appearance. There's just also so many other ways to team build that are much more successful <laughs> and have shown to be much more successful than losing. Okay, Hinky, I'm glad you're enjoying unemployment through your burner account. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, how many how many Nick picks in the top five and ten over the last decade have actually worked out? Anyways, exactly. I mean, Kevin Knox, aside from Alfred Payton, who we're not going to talk about because why waste the time? Thank you. <laughs> Kevin Knox is the worst player on the team. And I love, you know, I like the draft pick, but, you know, he, he stinks. Frank Milikina, I, lo- I love him, but, you know, super limited. Obi Toppin, we'll see. Uh, KP can get the fuck out of here, but he's talented. Uh, well, and, I mean, the list goes on. You don't even, but here's the thing, right? You don't even need to look at just Nick picks. Like, if you're, oh, yeah. So, so again, uh, reasonable, reasonable view of this is that the Knicks would have been in contention for, let's just say, for argument's sake, the second-worst record in the league. Um, and I think, you know, whether they end up second, third, fourth. So you're assuming a top-ten pick for sure. Like, if you go back through just the recent years of the draft, um, you could highlight, like, at most, at most, there are, like, six out of the top ten that you would say are, like, hits. And, like, just looking even at, like, 2018, right? Like, um, okay, so we had Kevin Knox. We had Mo Bamba. We have <laughs> Marvin Bagley the third. Um, those yeah, are all, so, like... How, yeah, how the Kings doing with Bagley and Fox? Yeah, and then, like, what is Wendell Carter Jr. going to be? Um, is DeAndre Ayton going to be an albatross on his next contract? Obviously, DeAndre Ayton's very good, and, like, you'd, you'd want him on your team, ideally. But, like, okay, so that's, like... That's four guys from that draft. If you go the year before that, Malik Monk at 11, Zach Collins at 10, Dennis Smith Jr. at 9, Frank Nilakina at 8, um, Josh Jackson at 4, Markel Fultz at 1. If you go the year before that, um, what do we got? We had Dragon Bender at 4, Chris Dunn at 5, um, Marquise Chris at 8, um, Thon Maker at 10, Jakob Pertl at 9. Like, Jakob Pertl is actually good. But are you doing a, this off the great, That's a great draft for names, by the way. <laughs> Dra- Dragon Bender, Thon Maker, like fuck yeah, Mo like, they Bamba. All, yeah. They all they all stink, but they got great names. Hold John, on, what, no, I was not doing that off the top of my head. I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing basketball reference. But you know, just just one more, one, one more. The K the KP draft. Um, Justice oh, yeah. Winslow at ten, Kaminsky at nine, Stanley Johnson at eight, Emmanuel Moody at seven. Willie Cauley-Stein at six, Mario Zoni at five, Jaleel Okafor at three. It's like, you know, oh, nothing's Mario, guaranteed. I I did not remember that Mario Ozonia was a top five pick. That is yeah, that was the pick after KP, right? Yep. That is, that's special. Yeah. Uh, Rich, thank you for joining us. And make yeah. this a frequent thing. You were, this was fun, all right, man? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely pop on the next one. Keep doing Alrighty. what you guys are doing. Thanks for coming up, uh, Rich. I appreciate it. All right. So I, 
I text. I don't, do you have media obligations that you have to get off to, or can we spend some time going over a little bit today? Um, yeah, I think uh, media is the room opens at eleven fifteen. Um, okay, so, yeah, so I, we'll I, try I, to get these next two calls in up until eleven fifteen before John has to run. Ben Delgado, welcome to the stage, sir. What's your favorite? Yeah, I you know I think it it's probably what everybody else says, but the uh, mellow OT call, the three against. That's the what I'm talking about. Now, yeah, well, I think it's because he didn't go with bang, but he went with puts it in, which which tells that he's he knows he knows the deal, right? He understands he can't just say bang every freaking time and and that be a good announcer. So he he's aware of himself, and, and he says something different, and and it's still his call, and it's still like you hear puts it in, and you're like, that's Mike Green, uh, like, I, I, you know. So he's he's cerebral, uh, I'll say. Um. You know what? To this, uh, to this, uh, how many concurrent uh, once in a generation uh, uh, people are there? Every year, I hear once in a generation. Zion two years ago was once in a generation, and Jaromet. Just next year, there'll be another once in a generation. It doesn't like this whole idea that you're that we we put all our hope in the draft. It just doesn't work out, and good teams don't do it. So let's be a good team. Let's be a good organization, and let's not let's not you know put all our eggs in that basket. We've seen how it works. Um, Completely agree. Did anybody hear? Could I miss that? I only caught snippets, but apparently Tibbs on the fan yesterday or last night, or um, saying that he would not want to coach a team with three all-stars on it, which, which is kind of a, well, it was like a, a dig at the Nets, but wasn't a dig at the Nets. And what we're not talking about is the Nets are still a possibility in the first round, aren't they? Yeah, uh, they absolutely are still a possibility. It's very unlikely. Um, the, the Bucks would need to, well, so the Nets, I think would need to lose one of their next, let me just make sure I'm getting this right. Um, yeah, the next would the Nets would need to lose one of their next two games, um, and the Bucks would need to win uh, their. Oh wait, no, actually, hold on for a second because the Nets they they both teams sorry both teams have played eighty games and yeah. the Bucks the Bucks hold the tiebreaker. So if the Bucks go two and zero, uh, and yeah, they would and oh, so the Nets. The Nets would would um, if they won one more game, they would get to the forty seven, and the Bucks went two and zero. Oh, then then the then the Nets would fall to the three seed. So yeah, it's a real possibility. Yeah, it's a real yeah. Which I, I don't like to be an NBA conspiracy theorist, but I kind of feel like the NBA wants the Knicks net. Like they want to figure out the Knicks Nets, and if you can get them in the first round, get them in the first round. Like I I don't know. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, what any word on Mitch? I, I'll tell you, the, the Hawks. It wasn't the Trey Young thing because I don't know if he can play that way in the playoffs. Things tend, tend to slow down, but I just didn't like Noel um, against Capella. Capella was just kind of abusing him, and that's where I get a little nervous more than Trey Young and and all these guys. Um, and that's why maybe I'm like, oh, maybe the Bucks. <laughs> I don't know about the Heat. Bam just kind of eats up. Randall, but um, but what's the word on Mitch? How, is it a possibility he comes back? Would it would have to be the second round? What are you what are you hearing there? there and, uh, that'll be it for me. There, no, I appreciate it. Um, there is no update on Mitch. 
Um, the last time I think I've been on every media availability in the last two weeks. The last time somebody asked him asked Tibbs about Mitch was not this not this last week, but the week before. And Tibbs gave the generic he's progressing well, um, but we're not gonna rush him back. We have no timetable yet. So for I mean I'm again, my, my opinion on this is just an assumption. And my assumption is that we're not going to see Mitch again. If you're asking me like, if he's fully healthy and ready to go, would they put him in? Yeah, I think they would. And I don't think that the, I don't think Tibbs, I think it would be like in short bursts. I think it would be like maybe for a five or six minute burst per half. And maybe like, if it has a role in, like you'd end the game with him. If he's like really doing a great job. But at the same time, I'm saying that, and I think with the type of injury um, he had, based on what little I know about those types of injuries, I don't know that there is a world where he's going to be like fully 100%. We know like there's no risk of re-injury if we throw him out there this season, you know, possibility. So all of this is to say I would be surprised if we saw him again this year. I agree. Last call of the day, Fraser Coleman. Welcome to welcome the stage. To What's your favorite? Uh, I, I love them all. I just love the chemistry between uh, um, uh, Breen and uh, Fraser. You know, Walt. I mean, it's it's so genuine. Mm. It's great. Yeah. But I joined late, so I don't know if you guys talked about this already. But don't the uh, Bucks have more control over our playoff seating than anybody else? If if the Bucks want to avoid playing the Heat. In the first round, they'll lose to the Heat uh, this weekend. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, and we were talking about this yesterday on Twitter a little bit, and I think the 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 pushback on that, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, is that, you know, the Bucks got somewhat smoked by the Heat last year, and they're going to want a chance to um, – redeem themselves uh and and face that team again in the first round and and you know and wipe the wipe the floor with them and and to be honest with you i i like i kind of i kind of get it because you if you're milwaukee and you say all right we don't want to play the heat yet well that means you're essentially gonna so you're gonna lose today you're going to let the Heat march to the 4-5 matchup. The Heat are going to beat the Hawks because we know the Heat are going to beat the Hawks. I mean, that's my two cents. And then, all of a sudden, you're you're in a situation where, like, maybe the Heat start to really pick up some steam, um, screw around, beat the Sixers in the second round, and then it's like they're, you know, and, and plus you wouldn't have home court against the Nets, like, I kind of am now of the opinion that I think the Bucks are going to tr- play to win tonight. Um, Especially but, not to get you off, but like yeah, no, it's they, a- like there's still a world where they can. It's not just about whether you want to play the Heat or the Knicks. The Celtics are still on the table. Like, I get it; it requires the Nets to lose a game, but I think they're gonna play out to try and get that two seed as as much as possible. So if this were tomorrow, maybe it's different. But I think you'll get a full Milwaukee Buck team, and like the game is also in Milwaukee where. You know, unfortunately, the Heat have been a decent road team this year, but I the Heat are the, the Bucks are a really good home team, so I'd be surprised if they lost. Yeah, no, I think that's um, yeah, I think we're I think we're I think we're on point there. Very well said. 
Um, anything else? Or is that it? Are we done? Um, let me see. Oh, Danny. So, Danny, you have like two minutes because we got to run. But Danny B, welcome to the stage. You just jumped a, a Fraser, uh, a Fraser, a request. Danny, what's your favorite Mike Brink call? Oh, man. It hit me with one here. I'm in the middle of doing uh, dishwasher and everything. Oh, that's um, okay. <laughs> if you don't have one, I'll stop you. Right literally, you literally Honestly, clicked on a room anytime, that says... Anytime that I hear him saying bang, I'm probably jumping off the couch and doing the same thing. So I don't really think I have a favorite. If I got to go back, it's probably going to the mellow days. I love mellow. So anytime that he was banging those calls, I was all about it. Love it. Love so it. I'll, Love keep, it. I'll keep it real short because um, the reason I raised my hand, I just wanted to make mention of what you were just talking about in terms of the Bucks and, you know, what they're looking to do this weekend. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but R.J. Barrett was on the Michael K. show yesterday. And he was talking a little bit about how the mentality for him and the Knicks in the locker room right now is – just determination, win every game. We want to, you know, do everything that we can in our power to get that fourth seed, you know. So taking that mentality kind of and turning it towards the Bucks, and as an athlete, that natural um, that natural killer instinct to want to just win every game and compete at a high level, I think it's kind of tough, you know what I mean? So I don't think – I really don't think that they'd be looking to lose a game, you know what I mean, to situate them – selves in like you said Andrew a, a situation where it's really not ironed out yet you know so I just don't see that happening either I wanted to just throw the two cents in there real quick so I'll shut up now and uh let you yeah, guys you'll hang it. up well, and listen thank you Danny V I'm stunned that this was in your car by the way unless you have a dishwasher <laughs> in your car yeah thank right you, uh, thank you Danny yeah I I mean I think if there's been one uh, if there's been one mantra that has um, been consistent with this team all year, and it, it it comes up pretty much every during every media availability when somebody tries to ask them about like, because especially over the second half of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, there's been like the second half of the schedule came out, right, and like it was like very intimidating. And then there was, like, the stretch of home games where it's like they have to, like, take care of business. And then there was the West Coast swing. So there would constantly be questions asked of the team about, like, games that were a little bit down the line or, like, way down the line. And, like, the players have been trained to say, and I, I think they mean it, he's, they're like, we're only focused on whatever the team is they're playing next. And they'll say that team. Like, yesterday – or the day before, maybe I think it was after, maybe it was after the Spurs game. Like somebody was asked about like the, the playoffs or this and that. And the answer was, we're just focused on Charlotte. So like, they absolutely have the mentality of we're going to go play the next game. We're going to go win the next game. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's legit. I don't think it's like lip service. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us here on our Saturday morning locker room um, and just something to look forward to. The next time we do this next Saturday, it will be before the Knicks first playoff game since 2013. Whether it's on Saturday or on Sunday, it will be playoff weekend the next time we do a locker room. Uh, John, take us out. Um, I just want to say thank you to you, Andrew, uh, for, for running the room. Um, thank you to everybody uh, who came and contributed and listened. And uh, if you're catching this, 
in uh, podcast form afterwards. Thanks for for tuning in. And uh, yeah, man, this is uh, to be a fun weekend. I'm excited for this. Let's let's uh, let's go next. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.